This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions. Because it's time to dish the dirt. On the AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Brought to you by Scott's. You know, <laughs> even though I'm really PO'd at the gas companies for raising their price to what a buck thirty, Charlie. Yeah, I think that's that opening it. that opening puts a smile on my face every time. <laughs> welcome, friend. Well, welcome, friend. Yes, <laughs> I hope you brought your gardening questions. <laughs> Indeed, it's great. And welcome to the Garden Show here at AM seven forty. I'm Frank Proctor, the sous chef of the garden. Under gardener, if you will, and uh, Charlie Dobbin, the master gardener, is here. Our uh, darling of the daisies. Oh, thank you. Thank yeah, you. Thank you thank Get you. that red carpet out. Yeah, and David Gaskin, our producer, mm-hmm. is on the job, and he's on the phone already, lining up phone calls for folks. I better give the phone numbers. Please okay? do. Yeah. If you live in Toronto, it's 416-360-0740. And then anywhere else in the province, toll-free, one 866 740-4740. And the mantra is call early, call often, but one question per call. Mm. Ooh, very smooth. Yeah, yes. Thank you. You've done that before. <laughs> I have. All right. Well, uh, thinking about upcoming events, yes. get out your calendars and let's write down some of the things that are happening in the next uh, week or so. Okay. <laughs> Put down your coffee cup and get out your calendar. All right. This Tuesday, April the 5th, I will be at the Pine Ridge Garden Club. You know, we were talking about this before the show, how sometimes it's so hard to market your yourself and tell people what yeah, you're up to. Yeah. I've neglected to mention last Saturday that last Sunday I was at the at Cannondale Nurseries in St. Thomas, just yeah. outside London. Uh, great event. Actually, Cannondale is run by a wonderful family and it's it's a retail garden center, but it's very, it's beautiful. It's really uh-huh. nicely laid out. And they do this annual spring event, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. They had all kinds of speakers and it was set up like a mini show with some exhibitors. There was wine tasting, Peely Island oh, wine tasting. Right oh, I love yes. that. They had the women's mm-hmm. auxiliary set up with food. I mean, it was just kids' yeah. activities. Very, very fun. So I was there last Sunday, but if you missed that, too bad. However, however, this Tuesday, I'm at the Pine Ridge Garden Club, which is a meeting at the Nestleton Community Center right outside of Port Perry, 7.30 in the evening. I'll be speaking on incorporating annuals into the perennial border. So that's uh, upcoming as well on Wednesday. This is an interesting one. Adrian Clarkson. You remember oh, the yes. right honorable mm-hmm. ex-Governor General Adrian Clarkson? Well, she's back into the real world now of being a regular person. And she's a very keen gardener. Has oh, always she? been. Yeah. So, of course, when she was in Rideau Hall, she had a lot of fun getting to do a bunch of renos to those old gardens. Well, now she's in a regular house and she's a regular person and she's taken on... Uh, okay, this is it. You buy a house. It has parking for five cars and a buried swimming pool in the back. 
and eat junipers and mangy grass in the front. What do you do? After all, you've just spent six Sell years it. rebuilding <laughs> Rideau Hall's gardens, so you've got ideas. So that's the tale. So she will be presenting her tale of transformations, parking lots, plants, and paradise at the Toronto Botanical Gardens huh. this coming Wednesday evening. So check that out. That's going to be a lot of fun, and that's uh, totally worth attending. She's a great, as we know, great speaker. Uh, this weekend, or next, next weekend, really, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, April 8th, 9th, and 10th, the infamous Peterborough garden show it's an annual event it's been going on for gosh i don't know how many years i, I remember uh, uh-huh. mentioning it last year i was there you were, you were invited up there oh uh, yeah years ago but way back when it was just a little tiny show and now it's expanded and expanded i think it's you know it's used to be in kind of in the in the arena and yeah. then it expanded out into the hallway of the arena you know and what it I kept mean? growing and that's uh, right and yeah. now it's in the evan Rood center and it's it's put together by both the master gardeners in the area mm-hmm. and the peterborough horticultural society and again speakers uh, exhibitors, uh, all kinds of services and products being shown. So, you know, educational fun, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Gardeners are fun people. Evan Root Center. I wonder if that's powered by a 9.9. Uh, 60,000 horse. <laughs> <laughs> I did have one that little Evan Root. Did 9. you? 9.9, yeah. 9.9. Yeah. Why not I was 9.9? Why not just 10? I, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> they I lost a tenth of a horsepower <laughs> in what? <laughs> like, <laughs> I can. I don't know. Okay. 9.9. <clears throat> don't quite understand that. I think we'd call that a 10 nowadays. We, we would round, right? I, I, I think so, yes. Uh, okay. For more information on the people. Peterborough Garden Show, go to www.peterboroughgardens.ca. And my other three big events are all happening on April 13th, so we'll talk about them next weekend. But remember, things are going on all over the place on April the 13th, whether it's in Riverdale or Burlington or I forget, somewhere else. Oh, again, also another thing going on at Toronto Botanical Garden. So lots going on. Okay. All right. <clears throat> there you are. Well, keeping you up to speed with uh, what's growing. What's and, uh, growing and going. Uh, you got it. Uh, David has done his job superbly. We've got uh, folks waiting on the line to speak to. And we'll be along to talk to Bill Keller in Aurora in just a couple of moments after these words on The Garden Show from AM740. You supply the what and where, and she'll come through with the how. You're listening to the AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, brought to you by Scott's. And I'm the sous chef, Frank Proctor, welcoming Bill Keller to the show from Aurora. Good morning, Bill. Good morning. Morning. Morning to both of you. Charlie, the first time we chatted, I want to know your academic background, remember? I remember, yep. And you said Guelph, and I said, so was mine. Mm -hmm. The reason I'm calling, the man who is going to grow some kind of a so-called tomato tree. Mm-hmm. I have a friend. I supply tomatoes to friends of mine in three-gallon black plastic shrub pots. Mm-hmm. Good. Planted in soilless media. Right. And uh, I grow mine that way, and I also supply friends. And the, what seed do you grow? What variety? Oh, the variety. Yeah. Over 30 years. Ultra Boy from Stoke. Ah, and you keep them in three-gallon pots? You bet I do. Wow. And But what is critical, mm-hmm. uh, it's uh, soilless media, mm-hmm. and it's essential uh, about three times during the growing season to apply calcium nitrate. Oh, okay. Yep. Right on the top of the, of the mix and water it in. Mm-hmm. And then I fertilize once a week. That's water daily. Fertilize once a week with 15, 15, 30 developed by plant products. Right. Yep, yep, yep. 
Now, the reason I'm calling this friend of mine, I gave him four plants, and he lives in a uh, in a condo mm-hmm. facing uh, Lake Kuchiching. Mm-hmm. The end of the season, he harvested 120 uh, ultra boy tomatoes. Holy mackerel! Wow, 120 over the entire season. Like he uh, counted them, kept track. Yeah, he's a, a fanatic at keeping track of things. <laughs> That's he, great. Uh, he was thrilled. So I can't believe these three-gallon pots support. Like ultra boys get pretty big as a plant. Oh, so I know. So you've got use tomato cages or stakes or no. what do you do? Just well, what I do at the back of our house. And I have I only grow six for myself mm-hmm. because that's more than enough. Yeah, and one uh, sweet one hundred. Mm-hmm. And I have stakes about oh, uh, they have to be about six feet apart, vertical. Mm-hmm. And then I have bamboo poles. Right. All right. And I tie with cloth, mm-hmm. not cord. No. Cloth. So it gives a little bit. Well, yeah. and it's soft. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't cut through the uh, the, the vine. Yeah. But. We have tremendous success every year. Oh, that's great. Well, that's great, Because, you know, it's interesting. I have done the same three-gallon mm-hmm. pot, as you suggest. Yeah. It's like a black nursery pot yep. in a, with a soilless mix. But I've used um, a smaller tomato than that, one called a patio tomato. Oh, yeah. So it's a determinant. It's not, it doesn't get to be a big, tall plant. No, no, no. And it only bears, you know, only flowers with so many yeah. flowers and bears yeah. so much fruit. Yeah. But it's a great size pot because it, you can move it around. You can, you know, take it places if you need to. And in the case of the ones I've oh, done, sure. taken them yes. way up north to the yeah. tomogamy and sit them out in the sun there. And as long as you can keep watering them, that's the trick. Well, of course, and fertilizing. I, get some great now, tomatoes. Mine grow under a balcony mm-hmm. here, and I protect them from cold rainwater. Right. But yeah. I water them daily. Yeah, yeah you have to. With uh, rainwater from rain barrels. <laughs> yep, good for you. So there's no shock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Very the trick good. I learned from my father. Yeah. 60 years ago. Room temperature <laughs> or ambient temperature water. Great idea. Well, Bill, it sounds to me, after this phone call today, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if the Heinz Company didn't call <laughs> you up and ask you to be a supplier for all their well, ketchup I'll, products. I'll tell you, if they do, I'm going to book the three of us. Oh, I was going to say, Bill and I are going to sit down and write a book, I yeah, think, you, one day. We're going to need to. <laughs> Thanks, you Bill. We have to. Okay, we've got to push along here, and my listen, friend. Sue Chef. Yes. You scare the hell out of me, and I'll tell you why. Uh-oh. I can see somebody coming in from the garden with dirty fingernails <laughs> and starting to prepare the Wiener Schnitzel. <laughs> You're the assistant gardener. <laughs> and thanks for taking my call, folks. Hey, thanks, Bill. As always. And I, next time I call in, because your man recognized me, uh-huh. it's uh, Aurelia Bill. Yeah, Aurelia. it is Aurelia. It's not Aurelia. Aurora. Aurelia. Aurelia. Okay. That, yeah. All the best to you both. Thanks, Bill. Take care, Bill. <laughs> that was a fun one. Well, you remember, you wear gloves when you're out in the garden. That's right. Because yeah. when you're coming in to make dinner, we want well, no dirt. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, I won't go on about my cooking expertise. I know. Uh, Joan, we already know about your gardening expertise. <laughs> Joan in uh, Simcoe is, uh, what the heck is this? Mm. Weeping Milbury? Is that Mulberry, the, darling. Mulberry. Oh, <laughs> I see David Gaskin. He supplies his He's own fanatic. dictionary. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Hi, Joan. How are you this morning? Just fine, thank you. And you? Good day. Morning, Joan. Good morning. Um, we have this uh, Weeping Mulberry in our front lawn. Uh, it's about 20 years old. Um, every year, the branches, new branches, or the smaller branches, mm-hmm. 
uh, underneath it keep dying, so we keep cutting those out. Now the gnarling original um, branches, they're losing bark, and mm. they're, they're dying, I think. How far back could we cut this that it maybe would come back? Well, I think you're absolutely right. Before any new growth starts this spring, I would do perhaps some fairly severe pruning. Because if you're seeing that the bark is, is cracked and peeling, you know that there's damage in that that branch. Uh-huh. So don't leave any any woody parts left on the tree that have cracked or peeling bark. Okay, this starts immediately mm-hmm. at the top of the trunk mm-hmm. where it's starting to do what what you're talking about if we were to cut it right off at the top of the trunk would it grow new branches that would gnarl and it might remember these are a grafted tree the uh, reason that they are doing that weeping is because they are grafted up high it could so be where the graft yeah is gonna, i was going to say it could be that the damage is around the graft uh-huh. uh and you know what what's going on sometimes it's it all starts with like a little crack and then water gets caught in that well, crack that's what it looks like and there. then it freezes and expands and makes the crack even larger uh-huh. so so and you know over a period of time of course some of the liquids start to drip out and then the insects are attracted to all the liquid mm-hmm. and you know they start going they in and out there. exactly yeah. carrying bacteria on their bodies so <clears throat> it might be that your weeping mulberry has reached the end of its potential, that it's, it needs to be replaced. Uh, it, you know, it could be that. In the meantime, though, yeah, trim. I would trim. And I've even, I've done something as crazy as just getting simple paraffin, so like candle wax, but not not some fragrant colored thing. And you melt and getting that to soften down and use that to pack oh. the dry, the cracks have to be yeah. dry, of course. <clears throat> Excuse me, but you can pack the those cracks with the paraffin just to try and stop any more moisture from getting in there. Okay. Uh, it, but, of course, don't do it when it's at all wet. Like, it's perfect right now. We've got some nice dry weather. Take advantage of the dry weather and consider that just to try and see if you can help it get, you know, get through this next season, which tends to be a wet one, and uh, see if some new growth can sprout and be healthy growth. Okay, thank hey, you let us know. Uh, let us know how that, uh, how that works out for you, Joan. Okay, thank you for your time, then. You Thanks, bet. Joan. Bye-bye now. Have a good week. Thank you. 922 here <laughs> on the Charlie Dobbin Garden Show from AM740. We'll return to have a chat with Ellen in Scarborough in just a moment. I'm just starting to do my exercise. I was going to say, well, watch careful of your yeah, elbow there, tennis I, boy. Yeah. <laughs> I threw my arms up indicating... Uh, that yes, it's exercise time, and damn, you threw my elbow out. I, <laughs> I couldn't believe. It. And then I looked at Frank and said, no. "Did you remember to take your Sierra Sol today?" Guiltily, no, no. Okay, now if Frank had taken his little three tablets, yes. Sierra Sol is a very simple mineral supplement mm-hmm. that we all take to keep ourselves limber and pain free, and not having our elbows go all out of <laughs> whack just because we throw our arm up in the air. Uh, so. <clears throat> nice weather coming. I'm going to be out in the garden this afternoon. I took my Sierra Sil this morning because my knees have been bugging me, but not since I started taking it. So if you're interested in having pain-free joints, give them a call. one joint 14 Friends say she's down to earth, and that's usually where you'll find her. Welcome back to the AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, brought to you by Scott's. Hello there, Frank Proctor here, the uh, sous chef of the garden. Uh, David Gaskin, our producer, has uh, done a, another superb job of lining up a whole bunch of phone calls here. <laughs> but I thought you were going to say another superb job of, of doing a spelling. Oh, no, actually, he, <laughs> he, he's done very well with the, the spelling on transplanting 
Clamatus. Except he's got a clamatus, like, <laughs> like an oyster or a clam. Oh, now you're making him feel bad. <laughs> Helen, good morning and welcome to the show. Oh, hello. Mo- morning, Helen. Hi there. Good morning. And it, I don't have any clams in my garden. <laughs> I so think funny. not. <laughs> We're talking clamatus. Yes. And I, uh, I have a, a little problem with a group of them that I have planted along my fence. Mm-hmm. They've become um, overtaken by a bit more shade than they should mm. with a, a Daphne that's overgrown and a shed that got moved slightly. Mm. So I am wondering if I can move them and if I can, when can I move them? Um, they've become quite tangled together. Mm. There's probably half a dozen different ones together. And I'm wondering if this would be a good time or should I be waiting until after they've had their first bloom? No, if you're going to... Well, first off, do you remember when you planted them? Oh, they're probably all about four or five years old. Oh, no problem. Yeah, so what I would do is you're, if you want to transplant, transplant sooner than later. Okay. So meaning in the next, preferably in the next 10 days, oh, I would okay. do my transplanting. So what you're going to do is try and transplant plant them before they break out into leaf. Yes, okay. You're going to have to cut them down in order to do this. Yeah. Because like you said, they're all tangled. Depending on the variety, perhaps you were going to cut down anyway. Yes. The summer blooming variety, the big flowering, Jack Manny being one of the classics, we cut them down in the spring anyway. Yes. So, you know, sometimes we'll go to the sort of knee height. If you are dealing with the summer blooming variety or the type 2, I think they're called clematis, take them down even lower than knee height. Take them down so they're like maybe two to three pairs or sets of buds above the ground on every on every stem. Okay. Because you know how clematis grows with little buds that are they travel in pairs along the stems. So count from the ground up, one, two, three, and then chop off there. Okay, good. And then when I move them, Mm -hmm. um, should I fertilize? Is there anything I should do? Well, prepare your your placement ahead of time. So you've got your holes dug and ready to go. As you point out, this is going to be a sunnier location. Ensure that it's a reasonably good soil. You know, it's got organic matter, it's reasonably fertile, and it is well-drained. The main thing when you're doing any transplanting is you want to try and dig as big a root ball as you possibly can, which, of course, isn't going to be huge in the case yeah. of a clematis, but you want to try and keep the soil around the roots. Okay. So you're going to very carefully, you know, cut around with your spade, cut under, lift the root ball, move it over. You're going to pl- replant it at the exact same level it was growing mm-hmm. or slightly higher because it will sink in. And I would use a quick start fertilizer. Uh, Scott's makes a great transplanter. There's several others out there. The bottom line is it's a high phosphorus fertilizer, which will you know, give a quick start or a, a kick start to root growth. Okay. Which is exactly what you want. Right. Do not expect a ton of flowering this year or a ton of huge above ground growth because right away the plant is going to have to settle in and clematis are notorious for taking two to three years to do just that. Come back. Yeah. Right. To get those roots established and get settled and get organized. So be patient. Don't don't think, oh my gosh, they're not happy. I better move them again. Yeah. No. Pick a good spot, put them in and expect to wait two to three years and you'll be right back with lots of beautiful stems and flowers. All right. Okie doke. Thank you very much. You're very welcome. I wanted to let you know before I go, my hellebore are starting to bloom. Ah, nice. Mine too. Yeah, lovely. Finally spring. (laughs) It's coming. It's really coming. Yeah. Yeah, thanks for that.
there's our little harbinger of spring. That's Pat right. From well, yeah. Thanks for bringing that up, Pat, because that I feel exactly the same way. I now it's starting to get so nice outside. I am going out, taking little walks and fiddling around, noticing the bulbs starting to come up and the hellebores, etc. It's right. very beautiful. And I misspoke. That was Helen uh, who was calling in. It uh, was Helen. And I'm, we're ready to talk to uh, Pat and Grafton in just a moment here. Uh, in fact, we can do that right now. Well, thank what you. you. Let's do that. Okay, let's do that. That's why you're the sous chef. You organize <laughs> thank us. Thank you. The door is open, Pat. Step through into the garden good show. Good morning. Good morning. Hi. Good morning, Pat. <laughs> so happy I got through again today. I have a question about uh, Wigelia and orange, mock orange that I planted two years ago. So they've been through their second winter, mm-hmm. and I've never pruned them, and they're really looking kind of ugly. <laughs> and my question is, how soon or when should I prune them? Okay, so good question. Both Wigila and Mock Orange are what we would call summer flowering or early summer flowering shrubs. You can prune them, and actually I would prune them now, earlier in the spring rather than later. Okay. Your The trick is... What kind of pruning are you doing? Are you pruning just to do a little bit of a tidy, so you're kind of doing a bit of a shearing to the whole plant, or are you? Is it? Are they all getting a bit? Um, what's the word? Like, like you said, they're not really attractive. They look a bit like a dog's breakfast. They've got stems yeah. shooting out in all kinds of directions, and often we don't realize how big these plants want to be. So we put them into spots and want to f- keep them four feet tall when really they want to be eight feet tall. So that can be an issue as well. Mm, so I'm going to have to move them. <laughs> well, that's it. I mean, so there's sort of two reasons we prune. One is, like I say, just shearing and shaping and helping the plant to, to stay within the bounds that we were prepared to give it. And then there's a real invigorating pruning where we go right down to the ground level and we take out at ground level the older branches, the older stems. Okay. So, whereas a shearing is where you're just basically tip pruning, and it's never my favorite way of actually pruning any plant because the natural form of those plants does tend to be somewhat of a of a fountain shape or a vase shape, narrow at the base, wider at the top, and to let them achieve their natural shape means they have to have the room to do that. So when we shear, it's because we're trying to make them fit into a space that's not quite big enough for them. Yeah, right now I just want to sort of make it uh, a full, mm-hmm. a nice full plant because you know what they, I bought them in the fall, so mm-hmm. they've been kind of leggy and yeah, uh, you know fall plant plants. But I put them in, and I remember you said don't prune them in the first year. Mm-hmm. So I didn't. Right, so you've left them. But alone. this year, <laughs> this year they they need some shape, and I want to f- a force more. Side, um, more thickness, more yeah, denseness. Mm-hmm. So for now, because it's only the second year, what I would do is I would probably go along where you've got the stems that are, you know, just completely out of proportion with the rest of the plant, nip those back. Okay. So you might be taking six or eight inches, you might be taking an inch off of some of the, the branches. But plan either next year or the following year to to remove right from ground level older stems. Okay. Never more than two or three at a time, but the older, thicker branches and come out at ground level. It? Well, it'll open the shrub yeah. up. You start getting some air into the insi- air and sun into the inside mm-hmm. of the plant. All of a sudden, you'll get more growth into the inside as well. So for now, just a little bit of, sounds like shaping is what you need just to get them looking a little tidier. And you're absolutely right. Take the tips off. You will force side branches. 
Okay. Alrighty. Thank you, Pat. Thank you so much. Thanks, Happy Pat. spring. And you too. <laughs> Thank you very much. 9.33 the time here on The Garden Show. Phone numbers to reach Charlie Dobbin, 416-360-0740 in Toronto. And anywhere in the province, uh, it is toll-free, 1-866-740-4740. Can you hear people, can you hear it in people's voices? Oh, yeah, voices? sure. You All hear that? Excited. Now, mind you, the it's still sun. chilly out there this morning. Well, it's going to be 10 degrees today. Well, all right then, Miss Weatherman. Sunny. <laughs> yes. uh. I, weather is my world. <laughs> Gardeners are also meteorologists on the side, I think. It's well, sort you of have to be, pat- don't you? Yeah, you do. Yeah. Because you have to have, you're always planning ahead. And I tell you, today, tomorrow, gorgeous sunshine above zero. It's not going to yeah. be hot. It's yeah. good working weather. You know, a little obviously pruning is something that's on people's minds, and it's a very good time because you can see what needs to be pruned. It's a great time to get out there with your fan rake and rake the lawn. All that debris from mm-hmm. the winter and the flattened, you know, grass from all that, the weight of the snow. Great time to kind of give a little oomph to the lawns and open up the, the air. Well, I've noticed as we are now fully into spring and, and the, the, the warmer weather, you get more excited. Uh, yeah, you notice show. that. I know yes. you see that. Yeah, like, like gotta, sparks are flying out of my eyes. We've got to get a seatbelt, David. <laughs> put, her, put a seatbelt on her. I'm telling you, i got a full day planned. I mean, I've just got a list longer than my arm. I wish oh. I had a team of sous chefs. Did you want to come? Oh, I, gee, I was waiting for you to yeah, ask. Yeah, did you want to help? <laughs> well, I can't help us along to the next caller. Oh. Isabel, Cambridge, good morning and welcome to The Garden Show. Thank you very much. I enjoy your program. Thank you. Um, good morning. Good morning. My daughter has um, a lilac tree and uh, I'm a Japanese red maple mm-hmm. and she has a large dog and this dog insists on eating the lilac tree oh i thought you could do something else to it but no eating it dogs they chew on things yeah, yeah. so i was wondering would you have any idea hmm. how she can uh stop the dog from yeah, well, there are some uh, sprays out there or little twist gizmos that you can actually affix to shrubs that smell bad that the that dogs and cats are apparently, you know, will stay right away from. So, and used as a training aid, obviously. I mean, that's, I mean, dogs are pretty smart. The trick is they have to understand what's theirs and what's not theirs. I think every family member should have a little bit of space in the yard, but I don't think the entire yard should be, you know, any one family member's to read havoc on either so i'm wondering if perhaps your daughter could is it a young dog still or an old dog or uh no the dog is four years old and the tree is three years old yeah so the dogs had had it in for this tree from the minute <laughs> it was planted <clears throat> and she's had uh no wiring fence around it yeah yeah and she's had uh, a wooden fences around it and oh, it, yeah. it just Knocks them down. Knocks them down. Ooh. And now this year she started on the uh, the red maple. Oh, gee. Rotten dog. <laughs> uh, well, I'm, I'm just trying to think of sort of some of the things. I mean, there's some very good motion detector. Actually, I was just reading about one. Uh, it's a sound motion thing that actually it's a, it's a heat sensor that you put in your garden, and it's to keep cats from peeing in your garden, using your garden as a litter box. Right. Very, very high-pitched sound oh, yeah, that humans would... can't hear, but animals can. Something like that. Where did I read this? I either read it about it in Lee Valley Tool 
I think I read about it in Lee Valley Tools. It was a, a, a gizmo. Mm-hmm. There's motion detector water sprinklers, which can obviously scare squirrels and cats and potentially dogs because it's high-powered water. And the idea is when the animal is going into an area of the garden you don't want them, this is set off, whether it's a sound or a water cannon <laughs> that uh, knocks them back. Could be effective. Uh, obviously, make, like barricades, like your daughter has tried. Uh, perhaps she just needs to get some better, stronger, you know, posts like the T bars into the ground. Some proper, you know, heavy chicken wire, wire, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, stronger than chicken wire, but you know, heavier gauge wire around these trees, and mm-hmm. and just let the dog know this is, you know, but make sure that the dog does have a spot that it can go. I think that's part of the process. Is this is not yours? This is yours. And and just make sure that the dog does have something. Now, if it's a chewing thing, perhaps it just the dog needs something else to chew on. So that as it's reaching for the tree, meanwhile, there's a log nearby that is the dog's chew tree, right? You know what I mean? Like, I, I just think it's it's got to be one of those things where the dog has to cohabitate in the garden and, and share the garden and let your daughter enjoy what she wants to enjoy. And it really is more of a training thing. And there are some aids out there that p- could potentially help her. Find this uh, sound disc. Like I say, check Lee Valley Tools. It's where? Lee, L E E, Valley Tools. Uh, they are. They have stores. Uh, you're calling from Cambridge. They have a store in Burlington. Uh, they also are on the web. So check them. Or the other is, I may have seen it in Organic Gardening. So you could check organicgardening.com. Either one. Uh, just try either of those for uh, pet uh, <laughs> control items. And uh, meanwhile, I'll see if anything else comes to mind. Or maybe one of our listeners might have a suggestion on controlling dogs when it comes to our favorite ornamental shrubs and trees. Okay, and Thanks. that last one was organicgardening.com. Dot com. Dot. On okay, the way. I've got okay. my daughter busy on this. Yeah. <laughs> Good for you. Thank you, Isabel. Thank you very much. And take care of Cambridge Forest. It's uh, 939. And you know what we better do is just take a quick little break here because we have, I, I want to get to this next call. I'm really anxious to talk to Pat Nuxbridge about voles, like those little wee, they look like mice, don't they? Yeah, they do. Yeah. But they have long, long pointy noses. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, Pat, hang on there. Hang on to your vole. Uh, we'll be <laughs> along in just a moment. But first, it's exercise time, is it not? It is. Yes. So have you been doing your exercises? No. Well, no. <laughs> <laughs> Frank and I are giggling because uh, Sierra Sill is a product that both of us take. Yep. Elliot started it. He was having good success. Uh, my mom's been taking it to keep her hands limber. Dolly it, is just full of zest and vim and vigor. That's she? right. She always says it helps keep her frisky because, it, I mean, my mom is 82 years old, going on 83, and she's got a bit of arthritis in her hands. She loves to play cards. She loves to do indoor gardening. She cooks and, you know, does all kinds of and things this that stuff helps her. requires sure. her hands to work. And she's had good success with Sierra Sill, keeping her hands limber. It's This is something that is, it's a mineral supplement that it works to keep your joints pain-free. doesn't work for everybody, but it, if it doesn't work, you get full money back, guarantee, and you will know it's working one way or the other within 14 days. Hence the phone number. Which is exactly the connection with the phone number. More information, 1-877-JOINT-14. There are hundreds of sources for tips on gardening, but you need only one. The AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin continues. Brought to you by Scott's. Well, let's go a little bit north and to the east up to Uxbridge, a lovely little town there. Pat 
has bowl problems, I understand. <laughs> Good morning, Pat. <laughs> Good morning. Uh, well, of course, I've always had moles around, but this year they've just made a terrible mess of a huge part of my lawn, just mounds of dirt everywhere. Mm. And um, now the snow's all gone, of course, now, but there's, I still see new piles and holes all over. How the heck do I get rid of these things? <laughs> okay, They're so, everywhere. Well, okay, so just to be clear, there's moles and there's voles. No, these are moles. Moles. <laughs> uh, okay, so, and, and just to also let, maybe you already know this, but I can tell Frank wants to know, moles eat grubs and insects in the soil. Voles chew on the roots of plants from below. So they'll tunnel on just under the surface and they'll chew the roots of our lawn and garden plants, etc., as they're moving th- through the tunnel. Whereas moles dig holes and then, of course, make tunnels as well. But part of what they're doing is making big, you know, literal, like a bomb went off in your yard when they discover something edible grubs and what have grubs you. and beetles and whatever so they're kind of good they are but they make such a mess that's where it's so frustrating skunks will do the same thing even mm-hmm. raccoons will do the same thing they're just they're all hungry right now they can smell they can hear something makes them know exactly where that those bugs are and then they start digging and making a big mess now this was you know during while the, while the ground was covered with Two or three foot of snow. Yeah, so So this has all happened beneath the snow, and now you're looking at the the debris and, like you're saying, more fresh fresh problems. So your challenge is to figure out where the nest is, because that's what they've got, right? The the moles will have entrances and exits, several, and tunnels, but there will be a spot where it's probably nesting. It's often under a wood pile. It can be under a a shed or one of the outbuildings. One of the best things I've heard of for killing, and maybe nobody wants to hear this, moles, is um, juicy fruit gum. Oh. <laughs> it's the old juicy fruit gum. What you got to do is you got to find out where the, the tunnels are, find out where the entrance and exit is, mm. and you close those off. Then, of course, the trick is to drop some slightly chewed juicy fruit gum down into one of the little uh, tunnels when you are convinced that the mole is down there. And they will eat this and think it's very tasty for whatever reason that sugar is very attractive. And then they can't actually digest it and they will die as a result of eating that gum. So that's maybe a bit of a horror story, but that is one way to eliminate them. Otherwise, you work around them and with them, (laughs) or you set traps. Well, I I understand that they're eating bugs. That's great. Mm -hmm. But, you know, as you say, it's a horrible-looking mess. I mean, these piles are are seven or eight inches Mm -hmm. to a foot tall. No kidding. I thought it was, I was blaming the uh, snowplow driver for (laughs) taking up the soil when... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> start with and wow. then, no, it's not that. Well, and do make sure that it is moles, because like I say, skunks will do the same thing, yeah. and raccoons will really, like raccoons will just no, peel your lawn right up. No, it was all done before, oh, okay. before the, the snow right. left. Right, that's right. Yeah, exactly. I noticed mm-hmm. it even when the snow was, was there in some places yeah. where it was a little so, thick. Yeah, so your challenge is to put the soil back where it's supposed to be, you know, level the lawn back mm-hmm. down, get some grass seed back out, you know, you, you can rejuvenate those spaces. Yeah. But in the meantime, you are going to be working around this the mole that hopefully it has moved somewhere else, but might not have, might no, be well, setting up I a little bit of a burrow. 
couple of days ago again, another yeah. pile, so mm-hmm. still there. Yeah, so that's what I'm saying. Your challenge is to find that burrow and try to eliminate the, mm-hmm. the mole from... Send it to the neighbors. That's what I'm always doing. Sending <laughs> yeah. my, my aunts over to the... Far away. They're a quarter of a mile. Oh, there oh. you go. So, you know, <laughs> doesn't, even, long doesn't have to go mole. that far then. <laughs> no. <laughs> you can do it out in the field. That'd be fine. Exactly. So it's just one of those pushing and nudging it away from... from and hopefully there's some tasty goodies out in the field as well. I mean, yeah. that, that's what it is. You want to make the environment unfriendly and unhappy for the mole, and it'll be happier out in the field. Yeah, well, I hope so. Okay. <laughs> well, thank you very much, Pat. Okay, Good luck good. with that. Thank you very much. All righty. The Garden Show from AM740 with Charlie Dobbin, Master Gardener. I'm Frank Proctor, the sous chef of the garden, saying hi to Terry in St. Catharines. Hi, Terry. Hi. Good morning. Morning. Um, I have a couple of orchids which are just past bloom, and I'm wondering, do I cut off the bloom, like, you know, it's like a long branch? Mm -hmm. The flower stem? Yeah. What I would do is, it depends. At least, obviously, when the flowers are done, you're going to trim away the, the shriveled up flowers. Yeah. But leave the stem for a period of time, depending on what kind of orchid it is. Quite often, it amazes me, but quite often, another little side shoot will pop off of the flower stem and more flowers and like buds and flowers will form. Oh. But you'll know that that could happen because if it's uh, got any bumps in that stem versus a very, very smooth stem. If it's, it's very com- smooth. Yeah, if it's completely smooth and everything is past that was up top, there's no, you don't see any sort of fresh green growth starting up no. at the top at all. No. The whole thing will start to darken and wizen, then absolutely. Nice sharp scissors, just trim that stem out right from the base. Is that right? Yeah. Now, do I have to let them rest or anything? or Because I know I water it... Uh, Every Monday morning, water, three-quarters of a cup of water. Okay, and do you fertilize? I haven't fertilized them at all. Okay, so there's... Many people find that they can keep their orchids blooming year-round. Even though you're right, traditionally we think that plants do need a rest, and naturally plants will rest. Mm -hmm. But if you fertilize them, I think that that can make the difference to keeping them flowering. And so for now, since it's not flowering, allow the plant to to rest for about uh, three to four weeks. And then I would start mixing some orchid food in with the water that you're watering with and use it every second watering. Use the fertilized water for your watering. People, but nobody knows, seems to know about it. Yeah, well, this is why I wanted to get on to, to ask you. About no, it's a great question. When when things do stop flowering, we typically let them rest. When things are flowering, mm-hmm. is when we feed them. Mm-hmm. So that's okay. why I'm suggesting you don't feed it today or this Monday. No, but do do give it about a month and then start feeding regularly. Okay. Well, I thank you very much. You're very welcome. Thanks for joining, Thanks show, Terry. Call. You're welcome. Bye bye now. Uh, nine. 50 here on a uh, Saturday morning that is bright, but a little on the chilly side. Never mind, spring's in the air, that is for sure. And uh, again, I guess we have to take a little bit of a break here. Then we're going to come back and uh, take a trip out to Scarborough and have a word with Jared after these words. You supply the what and where, and she'll come through with the how. You're listening to the AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, brought to you by Scott's. And Frank Proctor here, your sous chef of the garden, along with Charlie, saying hi to Jared in Scarborough. Hi, Jared. How you doing? Well, just fine, thank you. Yourself? Good. Morning. Good morning, Charlie. A few weeks ago, you had a, a, a product on to kill crabgrass. Mm-hmm. Could you tell me the name of that product again, please? Sure. The, it's, it, this is a product that will stop the crabgrass seeds from germinating. Because remember, cra- the crabgrass you had in your lawn last year died in the winter. But before it died, it 
spread thousands and thousands of seeds that are just sitting there waiting for the right conditions to grow. So what you want to do is prevent the crabgrass seeds from germinating, and what you'll use is an uh, it's it's a, there's a product made by Scotts. Mm-hmm. It's actually called Lawn Fertilizer with Weed Prevent. Oh, okay, right. Okay, so it's it's fairly self-explanatory that it's a the fertilizer has what actually what this is is the bag is corn gluten meal and you will spread as per recommendations on the bag and it will prevent any seeds from germinating so that includes your crabgrass seeds any dandelion seeds any seeds at all including grass seeds so you don't use this stuff and then go out and start sprinkling proper grass seed it's it's you have to kind of time these things yeah but it will prevent any seeds from germinating so just lawn fertilizer with weed prevent made by scott's under the turf builder name charlie thank you very very much you're very very welcome thank you (laughs) okay jared thank you so much and you know we have the little mantra on the show uh, charlie a call early call often one question per call well here comes pat grafton uh, from grafton again i believe it's the same pat it is yes you have a comment on moles yes yes we had a problem when we lived in prince edward county Mm -hmm. several years ago and someone did suggest a juicy fruit treatment but they didn't tell us to chew it slightly Ah. so it didn't work oh okay but what did work, and it really reminded me of the movie Caddyshack, my uh, husband parked the car near one of the holes oh no. and did a combination of PCV pipe and an old vacuum cleaner pipe, oh uh-huh. my gosh. put it down into the hole uh, and let the car run, uh-huh. and you could see the, the fumes coming up all over the yard. Right, oh, through oh, all man. the exits and entrances. Yeah. Never had another mole. Fumigated Well, them. now, there you go. Well, carbon, yeah, carbon dioxide, yeah. monoxide. Yeah. Yeah, well, so... the price of gas today, you might not want to I was going to say, you <laughs> might want to run something else other than the car, but still. So, okay, so that it, works. It did work. What, right. what an inventive yeah, but do. be very careful. Do it, yeah. you know, playing around with the exhaust out of your car. That's yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly. obviously do that outside and be very careful. Oh yes, uh, you know, well, if it's in your yard, it has to be outside. Yes. Yeah, well, thank you, Pat. That's All a right. great idea. You're welcome. Well, good. Well, thank you. And so uh, it was Pat from Uxbridge who called oh, a it? couple of callers oh, ago right. okay. about moles, and that's Pat from Grafton who spoke with us earlier on the subject of shrubs, giving us an update on how her husband helped deal with moles, which is to cause them to asphyxiate with car. Fumes. Well, it's terribly difficult to keep all the pats separated. I'm sorry, <laughs> Holly. Not your problem. I'm the one. You are the sous chef, but I do keep track of the details. Well, thank you. I do know that <laughs> Suzanne from St. Kitts is on the line with us right now. Good morning, Suzanne. Good morning. Um, I have a David Austin rose bush, mm-hmm. and I'm just wondering when do I trim it? I will not be trimming any of my roses until I start to see the buds along the canes starting to swell up a bit. They'll usually turn red, get a little bit shiny. Mm-hmm. When that happens, it, you're obviously a little warmer in St. Catharines than we are right. here in Toronto. Right. I did see a few of them. Did you? Yeah. So what? Is, this is still, yeah. I Because when you do trim your rose, remember you're going to trim off all the dead wood. Yeah. So you're going to be tracking down all that brown and black cane down to nice fresh green cane. 
trimming. Mm-hmm. And when you do that trimming, I always fertilize at the same time, and the growth really starts to go. Okay. If so we maybe wait a little bit. I more? was going to say, and the problem is we get a late frost, and then all of a sudden we cause frost damage to our fresh growth. Right. I would try and wait if I were you, pr- at least probably two more weeks, yeah. uh, and then you'll be in a good position to do that trimming, that cleaning up of your roses. Can I do? Oh, depends on how big the plant is and when you last trimmed it. But it's a good size, and it's got all the leaves on it still. Oh it's yeah, unusual, yeah. isn't it? Well, no, that ha- it'll they'll all start to drop off as we start getting some rain and wind and the new growth. Right? It's just like oak trees, same thing. The new growth is what forces the old growth to drop. Okay. So you can go out there and peel those leaves off if you want. Just they'll, they'll fall off very easily. Right. So I can trim it quite a bit if I want. To. I would, uh, particularly with a David Austin rose. They tend to get very tall and very yes. top heavy. So I'd yes. be inclined to take it right down to about six or eight inches tall, if I were you, and clear out some of the canes. Can I ask one more question? Mm-hmm. I've got an height, an ever-blooming height range. We sort of want to oh. bloom all summer. Can I cut them down now because I see buds on them already? Or can I just leave? And I took the, the, the dead flowers, the spent flowers I took off. Okay, so Suzanne, that was pretty sneaky. So we're gonna we're gonna let you go now. Thank you so much for that second question, particularly when we're right down to the end of the show. The answer to the question is, you're very welcome. Bye bye. Bye bye. And the answer, if Suzanne has got a chance to turn up a radio, is yes, she can go ahead and cut back those ever blooming or uh, endless summer hydrangeas now. Very very kind of you to let her off the hook that way. I was gonna say, and that was very just about to change into my police uniform and say, (laughs) wait a minute. Where's your cape? We're giving you a ticket. <laughs> hey, Charlie, thanks, been a fun everybody. show. Yes, thanks I, so I, much. I for... was so impressed with that uh, lawn treatment with the uh, <laughs> the hose, the exhaust, the mold from the treatment. Car. Yeah, you that... like that, eh? Well, I think I might start a business. I was going to yeah. say, there's a side business. We could do that. <laughs> sure, David Gaskin, he's looking he, like he's interested. He's in interested. This too. He's thinking. His eyes are lighting up too. <laughs> <laughs> right. Thanks Thank for you, the phone calls, gentlemen. Folks. You're great. Thanks to all our great callers, and everybody have a wonderful week out in the garden, and we'll. See you next week. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads. Idea City on the air and The Garden Show.